Pod here. Over my career, I've noticed that many effective leaders spend time developing their team. And in developing their team members who then become more effective or more efficient, that has a dividend payout for the leader themselves who by return becomes more effective. Nothing unusual in that. I've also noticed within that subset, there's a small number of leaders who spend time developing one particular person because that role has a disproportionate impact on the overall effectiveness of the team and that of the leader. What is that role? The role of the executive assistant. It always surprises me when I notice leaders who are not as effective as they could be, how little time they have spent understanding how impactful or useful their executive assistant could be if only they understood it. Today, I thought let's do a small dive into the relationship between the leader and the executive assistant. And who better to talk to than Liz Van Vliet, the founder of MyEACareer.com and host of the podcast Being Indispensable. This is a short podcast, but we dive into three or four key things that every leader could deploy straight away that will have a positive impact on the relationship between them and their executive assistant. And in some cases could probably free up five to 10 hours a week. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now, from the beginning, we shall never surrender. There is this perception, and I've heard it from a lot of EAs. A lot of EAs believe that they would like to be seen as um, having some sort of magical powers, some sort of mystical psychic ability. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? (laughs) That they can predict without actually asking questions or seeking to understand. Welcome to The Leadership Diet. I interview leaders and experts about ways to optimize leadership. What are useful habits and thinking patterns? What are the secrets to high-performing teams? And how do they continue to nurture their effectiveness day after day? In other words, what is their leadership diet? In all my experience of working with leaders, one of the areas that I think is often undervalued or indeed underestimated as to how effective it could be is the relationship between the leader and their executive assistant. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Liz Van Vliet, the founder of My EA Career and the podcaster on Being Indispensable. Welcome, Liz. Well, thank you very much for having me, Pod. First of all, 120 episodes of your podcast. And in podcasting world, that's almost 10 years worth of content. So well done. Thank you. Thank you. I was congratulating myself on when I first started on getting to 10 episodes. And now we're, you know, I've passed 100 and... Almost at 120, yes, as we record this. Well done. That's, a, that's very exciting and a noble accomplishment. <laughs> Let's jump to the notion of an executive assistant. It's, it's one of the roles that is often deemed to be a core role in a team or often delegated to bear administration support. And dare I say it, um, the second the second delegation doesn't help anybody, particularly the person in the role. You own the business My EA Career. What do you hear from your clients as being their frustrations as they're trying to support leaders that they're working with? Well, I think the top frustration would be that it's a high-stress, low-control role. So, because you are managing by influence, because effectively you have very little control over what's actually coming at you as an individual, but you're basking in the stress that the leader has coming at them and therefore flows onto you, I would describe that as the biggest frustration, that your ability to be 
proactive is constantly under pressure because of the high stress, low control environment that you're operating within. And you have to be comfortable with being in that environment to thrive. And the notion of, of low control, that, that's a really interesting one. So, Because the, the role of executive assistant is really an enablement type role. It enables the leader to do their role more efficiently and more effectively. Yet low control doesn't mean low influence. It can be a very influential role. Absolutely. And the EAs that I see that really are operating at that highest level have actually taken ownership of the fact that they do have a seat at the table by the factor of being the EA to the leader. And they actually need to step up and claim that seat at the table, not in a, um, you know, certainly not in an aggressive way, but in an, in a way that that you know speaks to the fact that they that the leader has confidence trust and confidence in them that the leader has designated them as somebody that does have their ear and does have the ability to actually have an influence on things that need to happen and need to be executed so it's it's an it's taking on an active role rather than a passive a passive role. Before we jump into how exec assistants can really help leaders, let maybe let's just dial back a little bit. What's the difference in your eyes between a secretary or a, say a personal assistant and an executive assistant? Is there a difference? And if so, what are they? Well, I think the the way that I look at it, I've developed something called the EA competency model. And that's actually driving at the heart of that issue, because I think there is a confusion out there. And when I talk to some HR professionals, for example, they have the perception that, you know, an EAs are a dime a dozen that you can fill a seat if an EA was to suddenly not be available for their leader, that they would be able to slot anyone into that role. But I would suggest that that's uh, a fallacy because the competencies that I see it as an uh, describe it as quadrants, the EA competency model. And at the very top, in terms of if you think of the axis as functional competency and strategic competency as the X and Y axis, the, at, the order taker is at the very bottom, is the bottom left. And that's what I would describe as, you know, in some cases, it would actually be the PA, somebody that is very reactive, that is taking instruction, is not using initiative, is not expected to use initiative. So, if, so for example, if you've employed somebody offshore, you know, in the Philippines or somewhere else, then you are going to have to accept that that person is very much an order taker. They're not, they have limited uh, strategic competency. They're certainly not going to have the capability to be able to predict and anticipate your needs. Whereas somebody that's at the top right, as what I describe as a linchpin assistant, is somebody that has high strategic competency and high functional competency. So they're extremely capable in terms of efficiencies, but they're also extremely capable in terms of their strategic competency and their ability to see around corners. And that is where linchpin assistants are what I would define as the ideal EA 
I love that notion of see around corners. And if I go back to your earlier comment about some folks in organizations say to you, the role of EA is dime a dozen, mm. that may well be at that, as you're describing, the bottom left-hand corner. So there's someone who's reactive, who, who does the admin support, who does what has been asked of them. But certainly the leaders I've worked with who have really excellent executive assistants, they do have that ability to see around corners. They do have the ability to save time. They do have the ability to prepare in advance for presentations or, or team meetings, etc. And they certainly manage calendars judiciously on behalf of the leader because mm. of that notion of being able to see around corners. So I love that notion of linchpin. I think it really describes the um, ideal executive system for a senior leader, at least in an organization. When you are working with executive assistants, and in your business, you do both coaching and training and, and a whole lot of speaking around this space, what are some of the things you get executive assistants to think about in terms of how they can move towards that notion of being more linchpin-like in their service? Well, I describe that for, a, for you to actually spend more time and be more present in that linchpin quadrant it's actually about developing what I describe as your power skills. And I, I call them power skills because they're, you know, we call them, they're actually what we often describe as our soft skills. But I describe them as power skills because for an executive assistant, they are, they need to be your soft skills on steroids. They really need to be the thing that powers you to be able to deliver in your role as a linchpin. And so they're the classic things that you would think think about in terms of soft skills. So they're influencing skills, managing up, negotiation skills, communication skills, listening skills, all of those sorts of things. And I've got 10 of them uh, that I've identified as the key power skills that really enable EAs to show up as linchpin assistants. When I'm talking to EAs, when I'm speaking to EAs, when I'm coaching EAs, I describe it as what I call the knowing assistant framework. And it's made up of five things. So there's the knowing yourself component. There's the knowing your leader. There's the knowing your job. There's the knowing your power skills, and then there's the knowing your organization. So I look at it and I train and coach EAs in a holistic way to be able to see that these all of these pieces are important. And if you can focus on developing and then being supported in terms of your development around all of these elements, you will be able to show up differently and add more value in your role. Let's jump to one of those then, the notion of knowing the leader, because mm -hmm. the, you know, the leadership diet is all about leadership and effective leadership. How can an executive assistant who's been in the organization for a while, they let's say they inherit a new leader. So a new CEO comes in or a new business leader comes in. What can that executive assistant do to really get to know the leader's preferences or, or styles of thinking or behavior patterns more than just the obvious by observing it? Because over time, you can observe that. But how can, the, how can the executive assistant accelerate that process so they know the leader, say, within a month as opposed to six months? Mm. Well, I have a concept called three Ps, which I encourage all EAs to adopt when they take on a new executive, a new business leader. And that's about understanding their preferences, their pet peeves and their priorities. So that is a an intentional conversation. 
And it's not just a one-off. It's a conversation that you set the frame, the foundations for the relationship from the get-go. And in some cases, that might actually begin when you're interviewing for the role. But certainly, in the at the very least, it, it happens immediately when you commence the role um, and you commence that relationship. And in the same way as we think about a leader having a fast start um, and the first 90 days being important for the leader, I encourage EAs to think about having that intentional conversation with the leader about what do you want to see from me in the first 90 days and what can I understand, what will help me to be able to execute those things? What do I need to know about you? So I have some um uh, some feedback surveys that I get the EAs to sit down and actually do with their business leader. And sometimes what I, this is not always in an ideal world, this would happen when you first start in, in that new relationship. But a lot of the EAs that I work with have been working with their executive for a while. And have actually, uh, when they come to me or when I'm brought in to deal with them, they're actually, the relationship has broken down somewhat and the leader or the executive assistant has said, I think we need to do something here. And so sometimes that activity is actually retrospective. But something as simple as sitting down and having a conversation around the three Ps is a very good place to start. And actually, I think at the heart of it, it's actually being comfortable asking questions. And again, that's something that EAs that are operating, you know, that are already at supporting business leaders that are the CEO or the country manager might already be comfortable with that. But I find with the EAs that I deal with that there is an innate hesitancy around asking questions a, for fear of looking like you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And B, there is this perception, and I've heard it from a lot of EAs, a lot of EAs believe that they would like to be seen as um, having some sort of magical powers, <laughs> some sort of mystical psychic ability. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> Wouldn't we all? That they yeah. can predict without actually asking questions right. or seeking to understand. But I'm a, I'm a big exponent of the whole Stephen Covey, seek first to understand. And in order to understand, you've got to ask questions. You've got to be comfortable asking questions. So one of the things that I do as part of the knowing your boss part of the framework is actually work through how to ask good questions, right. how to ask questions that are going to get, you know, op asking open-ended questions, uh, not asking compound questions, seeking to clarify, restating things back to the leader to make sure that you've understood correctly, and then drilling down. And the other thing that's important to say is that none of this the idea of the knowing assistant framework is not to add a layer of any sort of onerous layer to the relationship. In actual fact, when it's working well, it's actually something that feels, you know, just natural and organic. It actually builds the relationship and the questions and the clarifications become 
a natural part of that relationship. It's not something that feels forced or um, in any way difficult. I think what you're describing there is is the fundamentals of, of dialogical process, be it in a, a sales role, a leadership role, or in this case, an executive assistant role, which, which goes to lubricating the relationship for, for, for better output. Yes. Yeah. But what I find with EAs is that they can struggle with confidence to actually advocate for themselves. So if we loop back to your first question, which is about the frustrations, one of the frustrations that I do hear a lot is in terms of that that feeling that they, because they don't have control, that they don't have the ability to speak up when they need to and actually advocate for themselves. So it's one thing to advocate for your your business leaders' needs. It's another thing to advocate for your own needs. And so it's all around that, you know, confidence to advocate for yourself around setting boundaries, around communicating back to the leader when something's not working well. We hope you're enjoying this episode of The Leadership Diet. Feel free to hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast player you are listening to this on. Reviews on iTunes and Spotify are greatly appreciated. Let's jump to the leader then, because the, the leader, obviously, from a, a power dynamic perspective and an authority level perspective, is the more, let's say, the more senior person in that relationship. Therefore, there's a little bit of an onus on how the leader can seek to optimize the relationship. In my own experience, I've, I've been um, astounded over the years as to how little time leaders can spend in, again, you quote Stephen Coey, you know, sharpening the saw as opposed to cutting the tree. So the relationship here, how do you optimize it? What would you say to them are one or two key questions or ideas that they can put into the conversation that will then lead to optimizing the whole relationship? Well, the first thing I would ask them is to think about their how intentional they are around communicating with their EA. I did a survey um, uh, which has I continue to seek input into. So now over, it's around 250 responses. Uh, and one of the questions is around how business leaders actually connect and uh, update, have conversations with their EAs? Do they have, you know, a daily update? Do they have a weekly update? Do they have no update at all? And it's really interesting how so many, the, the large proportion continues to be that the conversations, the, the dialogue between the leader and the EA is ad hoc and spontaneous. It's not planned and scheduled. And if it is planned and scheduled, how often that conversation is pushed aside for something that is perceived to be more important. So that would be my first thing that I would suggest is that even though you might feel that this spontaneous ad hoc communication is working just fine for you, I would challenge that that may not necessarily be giving you the greatest uh, leverage from your executive assistant. And that sometimes having those, um, you know, dedicating that time and having that time block of time in your diary is going to mean that there's space that you might not otherwise be making available in terms of your mental energy for your EA that you might benefit from. I think the other thing that that, that also is relevant to is it in this current environment where 
where a lot of us are still continuing to work remotely and we don't have the benefit of those normal, spontaneous and ad hoc conversations that would happen if we were together in the office, being intentional around your communication is relevant across your across the board in terms of the way the leader is showing up, but very much in terms of being intentional around your communication with your EA is something to think about. Okay, so f- first thing there is, given that the leader always has busy diaries, scheduled 15, 20 minutes, whatever the number is, but on a regular basis as opposed to ad hoc, which is to both share what's coming up in their diary, but also to give maybe some, enable the EA to see around the corners yes. as to what, what what can happen. Yes. Great. So as we said earlier, when we're talking about the three Ps, and one of those is the priorities. So if we're thinking about what are the big rocks We know we might have had a conversation around what the strategic priorities are, but they may have shifted and there might be nuances there that the EA is actually not across. So again, one of the things that um, I find with EAs that I coach and train is that not all of those EAs are privy. They don't necessarily, uh, uh, there is an assumption in some organisations and in some relationships that the EA uh, has other more important things to do or more pressing things to do than to sit in a meeting with their executive. But if possible, particularly those meetings that do pertain to the big rock priorities, I think there's real value to be had in exposing your EA to those meetings so that they're actually hearing not just the conversation, but the dynamics of the conversation and the nuances that go on in those meetings that they're not able to read between the lines when that's being communicated in some other format. I think it's a really insightful comment there, Liz. Um, Some of the most effective either CEO level leaders or just business level leaders that I've worked with over the years, they actively have an exec assistant who helps in those meetings. And it may well be that they're supporting the leader and the exec team along the way. So there is reason for them to be there. But one of the outputs of that involvement is, as you say, they pick up the nuances of the priorities and strategic rocks. They also pick up the timeline of those priorities. And the enablement of that means that the exec assistant often looks at the diary of the leader to make sure the diary of the leader is aligned with the strategic priorities. Absolutely. Which means they become judiciously guarding of that leader's diary to make sure the leader is focused on the priorities. Mm. Is that something you've, you've noticed? Absolutely. And, I, and if we're talking about um, one of the power skills that I talk to EAs about is assertiveness. And assertiveness skills is a, you know, it it is a balancing act. I describe it as a seesaw, that you've got assertiveness in the middle and you've got passive at one end and aggressive at the other. And it is a constant act of balancing in the middle. And it's about respectful communication. So if we're talking about protecting the leader's time and protecting the leader's priorities, for the EA, what that actually looks like, and I've actually coached EAs around this, is actually being able to have assertive conversations with whether it's other people in the leadership team, other stakeholders, to actually push back 
on requests for time to be able to communicate with them that you are understand that this is important to them, but that it just does not work for the leader at, at in the at time frame time. at yeah. that point. Yeah, and that is a, that is a skill and a competency that's really important for an EA to develop, so that they can you know assertiveness then leads on to their ability to be influencing without authority and getting, you know, earning respect by being able to have those tricky conversations with people about protecting the leader's time and energy. Great. Speaking of time, uh, one question that I've regularly encouraged the leaders I work with uh, who have a good relationship with their exec assistant or who's about to hire uh, an exec assistant. And the question is, if I gave you full control of my diary, how would you save me 10 hours a week? Mm-hmm. And I've always been astounded as to the answers that come back that the leader often didn't expect, as in the leader expected, oh, they will cut stuff out of my diary. But in fact, what has happened is the exec assistant is, I can take stuff off you. I can do this on your behalf or in advance for you, etc. Absolutely. I'm dealing with an EA at the moment that is actually that is actually happening in action in this current environment where we're working remotely, where the, uh, the leader is very focused on doing a weekly communication with the, uh, you know, an all-hands communication. And the leader was investing time in their calendar into meeting with the comms department about that, what that was going to look like for the week, reviewing the script, walking through the various points, interacting with multiple people. And that was taking up time in their calendar. And the EA was able to see that A, it actually was taking up time in the calendar that the leader didn't need to be involved in, that it could be done uh, completely, you know, separately, that she could actually have those conversations because she knew what the key things were that needed to be communicated that week. She had already had that conversation. She was already aware and across those things. So she was able to feed all of that back into the comms department with the leader not being involved in it doing a final scan and potentially picking up a couple of things, but effectively taking out what effectively was two hours a week of the leader sitting down with various people to get that script and that process executed. The other thing that I would say is a really uh, simple way of finding time for the leader and giving them space that they might otherwise not even be might not even have on their radar is rather than blocking things in one hour blocks in the calendar blocking them in 45 minute blocks <laughs> so that you're immediately gifting them with the the 15 minutes that they can have to have time for something else that they want to focus on in that 15 minutes. But it also gives other people a very clear indicator. It sets boundaries with other people that this leader does have 45 minutes available for me. I need to communicate with them what I want to communicate in that 45-minute block and that the, the EA is actually enforcing this hard stop in terms of 
creating a pattern in the diary that there is no expectation that it's an hour meeting, that it's a 45-minute slot and you need to get done what you need to get done in that 45 minutes. I love that idea and it, it ties into a white paper that we have on our website called The Daily Habits of Exceptional Leaders, which came from a study a number of years ago that I was involved with. But one of the outputs of that study was, there's, there's many, many things, but one of them was that it, the really exceptional leaders have a very strong notion of managing their diary. In this case, it was to 45, 50 minutes, but i.e. less than an hour, no matter yep. what. That was one thing. The second thing was they didn't go to meetings unless there was an agenda already pre-prescribed. And when I when I interviewed the leaders who were deemed to be exceptional in this group, one of the things I um, noticed was, and this is a very subtle comment, but it came through and through, that once they realized for them to be efficient, the time and scarcity of time was the most important thing in their life because they're being paid to think. If they haven't got enough time to think, they really are they're working at a level too low for their role. So the, the time of the meetings became really important, hence your comment about 45 minutes. The I'm going to meetings only if there's an agenda in the invitation, because then we know what we're here about, so we're not wasting time. But to your point, they delegated the, the policing of that to the exec assistant, because yes. that person was best placed to do that. So just to finish this off today, uh, it sounds like for the leader, because again, they have the authority in this relationship more so than the other person. If they were just to take that simple notion of walking through, here are my priorities, here are my preferences, here are my peeves, and then how can you help me maximize my diary so I have more thinking time, that would be a great conversation. Absolutely. And I think it would be, uh, it, it would open the door to other conversations because I think one of the things that EAs respond really well to is the leader actually giving them the sense that the leader is interested in their input and in their observations. And I describe EAs as little hinges that can swing big doors. And I think that is something that business leaders and often you know, uh, HR within organisations don't fully appreciate. They do see them as a commodity, as a as a replaceable commodity, whereas I see them as little hinges that can swing big doors. And if you strengthen those hinges by investing in their power skills, for example, by investing in, you know, the things that are going to help them be effective, not just efficient – you're going to be building stronger little hinges that can swing much bigger doors. Well, that is such a metaphor to finish this conversation. I'm well done, Liz. I love that. I finish all my episodes with the same two questions, so I'd like to put the same two to you if I could. Yeah. Uh, the first one being, now that you have accumulated all the experience that you have and the wisdom that comes with that, what would you tell the 35-year-old version of yourself today? Oh, my goodness. We've got another hour to have this conversation. What would I tell? I would tell the 35-year-old me that, you know what? I would tell the 35-year-old me that I am I am just great as I am and I don't need to be anything else. I just need to be myself. And your favourite song, what would that be? Oh, goodness. Over the Rainbow. Oh, from Dorothy. Yeah, because ah. I used to sing it when my daughters were little. I used to sing it to them to put them to sleep. 
Fabulous. Well, mm. I will uh, certainly put a link to that song. It's not in the YouTube. Note. <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> so, for anyone who wants to know more, uh, myeacareer.com is a website to go to. And anyone who wants to listen to a web uh, a podcast, rather, and that's specifically oriented to the work of executive assistants, being indispensable is the way to go. Liz Van Vliet, thank you for joining us this morning. It's so good to have you here. Thank you for having me. Hope you found that conversation with Liz helpful with one or two nuggets and maybe one or two questions to ponder. For me, as I said in that interview with Liz, I'm often astounded at how little time leaders spend with their executive assistant. And if Liz is right in that a great executive assistant is a little hinge that can swing big doors, then putting small bit of structure into the relationship or at least the conversation can only be helpful. Her notion of three Ps, what are your preferences as a leader, what are your priorities and what are your pet peeves, to my mind is a similar conversation as to a new leader assimilation conversation that a leader often has with their team. The relationship between the leader and the executive assistant is often a far more personal relationship than between the leader and their direct reports. Not always, but often is. And therefore helping the executive assistant who sees your diary every single day, knows what you're up to, helping them to understand what are your priorities, your preferences and your pet peeves can only be be a good conversation. The other question that emerged in that interview, which I've often used with leaders to ask of their own exec assistant, which is, if I was to give you complete control of my diary, how would you save me time? It's a great conversation to both help them develop in their ability to help you, but it often surfaces really unexpected outcomes and often very useful outcomes. So that's certainly a question to consider in your next conversation. Lastly, I think the, this conversation for me surfaced again the importance of aligning your diary with your strategy and your priorities and really looking at how do you set up your meetings. The Daily Habits of Exceptional Leaders study that I referred to in that interview and indeed there's a white paper on the website for you to go and look at if that's of interest made it really clear that in that particular study, exceptional leaders, number one, only take invitations to a meeting if there is an agenda or the decisions to be made are outlined. And B, their meetings typically are less than an hour, so typically around 20 to 25 minutes, or as Liz said, 45 to 50 minutes. And that often is enough. So how do you help your exec assistant to understand your preferences around your diaries and to make sure that your diaries align with your key priorities? Lastly, this whole podcast series is aimed at senior leaders, but senior leaders are only as effective as the team they have around them. So maybe it might be worth considering sharing this episode with your exec assistant. Who knows what conversations or thinking patterns might emerge as a result of that. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Leadership Diet. We hope you enjoyed it. Head over to theleadershipdiet.com where you can subscribe to the podcast, to our blog, retrieve a whole range of resources that we talk about in each episode and if you are visual a bit like myself there are a range of videos sitting in our youtube channel that you might find helpful if you're enjoying all this 
a review on iTunes or Spotify would be much appreciated. See you next time.